and welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 103. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever, who catch up on most days in the Melbourne CVD pre-level four COVID action to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, it's a Monday night. Uh, I'm glad uh, this time we actually took two or three days uh, to yes, yes, I'm with you there. To process what we saw Friday night uh, was not uh, a great feeling the whole weekend. If I'm being honest, I, I think uh, I'm probably um, reflecting a lot of Essendon fans to say it was it was as down and as a gut punch as you would want from a, from a, an outcome that had strangely quite a bit of excitement going into it. And which yeah, made it was, which it made, was super mega fugly. Which, super mega fugly yeah. is what it was. Yeah, it made the gun punch just as more lethal. Uh, but look, let's uh, we'll probably do this in two segments, right? Tonight, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the the match itself uh, and what we saw and what we noticed. Then we might just have a quick break after that, um, and then just have a little bit of talk about the Essendon Football Club as well. Just things that yeah. you know, where, where are we at with a few things? Yeah, but. It is an exciting night for the podcast, though, because we do uh, have the exciting um, moment to announce our brand new sponsor for 2000. We have a brand new major sponsor. Now, just happens to be our only sponsor, but they are major, absolutely major. We'll be telling you about that during the podcast tonight as well. Yeah, uh, look, a really exciting kind of uh, venture for us, uh, and you'll hear a bit later on that uh, one that's a very closely Essendon tied is very much an Essendon almost company uh, with how many yeah. people and, and uh, uh, follow Essendon for this company. So it'll, it'll be exciting um, uh, news to break a bit later on. So yep. let's let's talk about um, the Essendon Football Club and its 63-point loss. Look, um, we're a very easy team to read sometimes and uh, – one thing um, that I, when I looked at, you know, how the match played out, there's there's a couple of things that stood out. One was the two tackles, the quarter time, uh, and it was. Um, <laughs> I think I I think I joked that um, you know I made him probably put out a tweet saying well, we're on course for eight tackles for this game. This is great. Uh, yeah, a, a whole eight. Uh, so this is a uh, this is how I see things. So the. The um, inside 50s, right, where we actually won the inside 50s by five and we've lost by 63. So a, l- a lot of people are going to ask, how does that happen? Because we'll talk about Sammy Draper probably later in the show, and that was obviously by far the biggest positive to come out of the game. Uh, and he clearly won the hitouts. He was clear- clearly giving us first use of the ball. We won we won the clearances by five. So, uh, and we've done, you know, we've got first hands on the 40. We've gone inside 55 more times in Brisbane. Usually you read those stats and go, okay, it's going to be a close match. Got, well, it's got, you'd be in front, right? Seriously, with 50-odd times into, into the forward 50, you'd have to be close to be winning the thing. So, so what's broken down? And, and I've kind of had a look at the game a few times. Look, my frustration clearly this year has been around the inconsistency of our midfield and the midfield choosing uh, on any game day to when it wants to defend and pressure the opposition and when it, for some reason, uh, I don't think they deliberately go out to do this, but but for some reason 
that pressure is non-existent in the, in the next game. And, and like I said, we had two tackles a quarter time. Um, and I think the second and third quarter, the tackle numbers, uh, sorry, the third and fourth quarter, the tackle numbers are really low as well, the fourth quarter especially. So yep. we, we just haven't turned up. Uh, I, I tweeted something which was really interesting. I, I tweeted something out of emotion that I really regretted because uh, when obviously before the game, right, the, the players are running out giggling and, and there's a mini banner for Sadi, and which is f- fair enough. And the assistant coaches are, are waving little streamers as Sadi's running out and everyone's laughing. And I ran out, oh, that, that, that vision looks great. And do you know what? About 10 minutes later, uh, as the game's about to start, I thought to myself, does that actually look great now that the emotion has died out that we almost got players giggling and laughing and the assistant coaches waving little, not pom-poms, but waving little streamers as yeah. they run out. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure the Lions didn't had a pretty serious game face as they were running out and, and, and it, it probably should have maybe raised a few alarm bells uh, as we we're going out. But look, for me, I don't get why. She look, Shiel came back to that side. There was Shiel, Merritt, McGrath, Parrish, Smith. That's a good enough midfield to be competitive and not lose by 63. Absolutely. And I mean, Shiel has been our number one midfielder throughout the entire year. Um, get him back into the side. He wasn't injured. He wasn't coming back off a hammy or anything. He should have been cherry ripe. And I, hundred percent. I'm gonna like this podcast, ladies and gents. Scotty's sort of a bit fired up. He's not. He's not sort of grumpy, Scotty, or in a room by himself, no, lamenting, <laughs> lamenting the entire club and the entire season. But he's got a lot to say tonight. So look, if you don't hear my dulcet tones for a while, I'm gonna let Scotty go on this one because I've got this feeling tonight. Um, a bit like Lane and Woodley, I've got a feeling, I've got a bit of an inkling that Scotty's got some little gem bombs to drop here. So I'm going to let the man go and I'll jump in, but the majority of it's going to be Scotty tonight. Oh, well, no, you can jump in any time. Uh, yeah, and, no. and this segment is really just doing a match review. Uh, and look, it, it probably feeds into probably how I'm going to do a little bit of the second segment. But uh, why, you know, you see Brisbane... Uh, have sixty odd uncontested more ball, and most that, of them are and most of them are kicks. That so, kills me. That kills me. So this, how I kind of break down this game, and we we're talking even before the pot, uh, uh, and I was saying, you know, you know, when you, you when you win the clearances and you win inside fifties, you do understand. There's two parts of this. You do understand uh, that three or four of our key forwards are out. That's no. There's no way we can argue around that. It's it's going to cause disjoint. Uh, and, and it's gonna not going to help us scoring, uh, no doubt about that. But I actually want to focus more on, you know, our midfield of when they get the ball out of the midfield, how they think through the game, because I don't think they do. I think it's sheer panic kick, 40 metres, 50 metres, where a Stewart... Um, uh, uh, whether it's Draper or Bell Chambers who play there, it, it just has to be a pack contested mark. We we don't have a composed midfield coming out that allows our forwards to actually lead or create space. It's just a sheer. Uh, we we often get the ball on the on the fat side if that makes sense. Like um, we get we tap it on the opposite side direction of our goals. Yep. Brisbane and we may get the ball first, but Brisbane encroach onto that player. They have to snap it around the corner or kick it uh, around the side where it goes a million miles in the air. 
And, and and that's your one your big issue with the midfield that I have is 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 I'm seeing an alarming lack of composure and skill coming from our midfield. But I just before you, I know you're about to talk, but before yeah. I say that, the second part of that I want to um, uh, make sure I get across in that same kind of field is when the ball hits the ground, say a forward line, and, and the forwards haven't marked it because they they haven't had the ability to really be able to lead or contest. When the ball hits the ground, Brisbane get it, and then I'm really angry at our midfield because no one is paying any attention to their direct opponent and they are just uncontested footy streamlining the ball down without any pressure. So in short, I am concerned about how our midfield is developing. I do believe they're better than they than what they produce. I'm not saying we have a totally dud midfield. I'm not saying that at all. I think my frustration is that I do rate quite a few of them. I think we'll both agree that it's better than the, the Bulldogs midfield anyway. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't. I don't need that controversy. I don't need that. <laughs> that is 40 social medias. <laughs> uh, keep going, keep going. But I like your stirring and I, mm-hmm. I, I applaud your guts. Um, nice work. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm really struggling with our midfield at the moment. I think McGrath's probably closer to the most accountable, um, but I, I, I do think his kicking obviously needs you know help. But I am concerned about how easy we are to dissect uh, running the other way. And again, like the Bulldogs game, they still the Bulldogs still kicked the eight or nine goals in a row. The Lions have done that as well. We just cannot stop a run. We just don't have when a run is on and they've kicked three or four in a row. It is more than likely that the team's going to kick another three or four in a row and the game's over. And we don't have the ability to stand up, uh, have a plan B as a side because yeah. uh, because there is an element of um, and this is the frustration because who is the coach? I know. I mean, if the buck stops at Wusher, then we have to say Wusher. But we do know Truck. Keep. We are getting told that Truck's doing a lot of the game day coaching, a lot of the preparation. So they have to have a bit of a combined responsibility here. But why? Um, why are there certain Brisbane midfield stars that are clear stars that can just carve us up? And no, no accountability, no pressure, no run with roll, uh, and we don't have a plan B to it. Like a, I understand if that if you're saying, look, we're going to take them on head on in the first quarter, uh, and and yeah, if you're on top, you're on top. You know, great. You know, we did similar to Collingwood, right? If you're on top, you get on top, great. If you're a quarter into the side or a quarter and a half into the side, and you and you're definitely not on top then you've got to have a plan B. There's got to be, uh, okay, um, Devon, uh, we need you to have a look um, at this Brisbane midfielder. We need him clearly shut down. He's kicked two goals in the first quarter and had 15 possessions. He's impacting the whole game. Uh, we need you to do a shutdown role or, or wear him closely, whether it's anyone. I'm, I'm just picking out a midfielder's name, right? I, who it is, I'm not I'm Wouldn't not happen to be Lockie Neal, would it? Yes, it would happen to be Lockie yeah. Neal. Uh, and, you know... And whether that plan B involves a Dylan Clark on the bench uh, coming into the and being a rotating midfielder, so you have that option as a side coming in. Uh, I, I just felt like we got so much wrong. Our approach, our pressure, our planning, uh, you know, 
I'm on text with Grant as the game's about to start, and I text Grant, did you just see Mason Redmond just go on Charlie Cameron? Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> because he is going to burn Mason Redmond. And and this is what frustrates me because, I, I mean, I see that drop Mason Redmond, drop Mason Redmond. Do you know what? I'm actually giving him a bit of an out because that matchup should not have occurred at any point. Now, if you're not – if the one guy is twice as faster than you – then that's a coaching error. That's not a Mason Redmond error. Mason Redmond should be on. He can compete better, but but Adam Saad's right next to Mason Redmond, and and there's a clear player that can shut him down. My, I, I guess to answer that specific question with Redmond, I, I near fell off my chair when I saw that. Um, I think it's here's my thought on it, right? And I think this speaks to your earlier point in well as well in that. I honestly think the truck and Musher, and if it's truck on game day, then it's truck. But I honestly think those two blokes are trying to pump up our midfield by saying, you're as good as any midfield in the comp and we're going to play you that way. We're not going to think defensively. We're not going to think we've got to stop anybody from that side. It's a bit like it's got a touch of the Jordans during the 90s in that Michael, they didn't know, but the Bulls didn't set up to try and stop anybody on the opposite team. They knew they had the better team. They the opposite the opposition team had to set up to stop Michael Jordan, right? With the Essendon midfield, I think they're kind of the same way. They're thinking, righto, first quarter, we're going head to head with you guys. Yeah. We're backing McGrath and Parrish and Smith and Shield and those guys to get the ball for us. Now, to answer, excuse me, to answer your question on the Mason Redmond, Charlie Cameron thing, I think it feeds from that. I think they think we'll put Mason on Charlie because if the ball's bombed in to the forward line, into Brizzy's forward line, then Mason's going to eat Charlie Kerno for breakfast, right? Because he can he can chuck an arm across him. He won't let him get up in the air. And that would be probably where Mason's strength would lie against Charlie. But unfortunately, when they didn't make the change, it's what is what you said. Yeah. We were getting beaten badly by the likes of Lockie Neal and that. And Charlie, the ball was hitting the ground in the in the um, in our defensive back in half, and the ball was hitting the ground, and that's just Charlie Kerno's bread and butter. Charlie Cameron, so, uh, uh, Charlie Cameron. <laughs> oh no, Charlie! Damn, that's like that's like I'll put five dollars in charity. Um, uh, yeah. So I hundred percent agree with you. Is that there is a Honest to goodness belief, I think, at the beginning of the game that we're good enough to run with anybody and that we're trying to empower our players and keep them all pumped up and happy that, yes, we'll put run Sadi through a through a little mini banner and we'll make it kumbaya and happiness and a happy footballers, a good performing footballer, and I 100% agree with that, right? You've got to have a good working environment and that, at the end of the day, is their work, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, the lack of flexibility... I won't even talk about how we how we kick the ball into our forward line. It is blatantly obvious how just fargo um, <laughs> kicking the ball into our, our forward line is. It's just awful. Um, and I saw a post today about people thinking, oh, what's up with Waller? Maybe we should drop him. Maybe we should bring in Mozzie. Poor Waller, mate. Like, seriously, the bloke's five foot two and a, and a if he's bloody anything. And... We're dropping the ball on his head constantly. Now, no wonder Waller goes missing because he has no idea where to lead, where to run, where the pack is going to be that he can rove off. So getting back to, and I want to get back to you talking, Scotty, but um, to answer your question on that is that I think 
Mason Redmond, that was just a flat-out mistake. But I think at the beginning of the game, they thought that we wouldn't have to deal with Charlie Cameron very often because Charlie Cameron, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, Very often because we would beat in the midfield, we'd win, we'd control the ball and any forward entries into Brisbane's forward line would be super ugly and we wouldn't have to deal with him very much, right? But I 100% agree with you when you say, why can't we pivot into game plan number two or backup when that's not the case and Lockie Neal gets two goals and X amount of possessions in the first quarter, we need to be able to go, okay, let's chuck the youngest kid we've got or the biggest kid we've got or Tom Cutler or somebody on on um, Neal and just block him out and see if somebody else can do it. Just a just quick one before I hand back to you. The, the midfielders running both ways issue. How to think about that as well. Our game plan is to run like hell forward as fast as we possibly can. Everybody, all the way from the backs through the midfield and be kicking the ball forward. We're so concerned about moving the ball forward as fast as we possibly can, which is great, which is good, and it, it leads to goals, and it's a good um, game plan, and I like it. But if you don't execute on the kick inside 50 – the ball comes bouncing out really fast and all of your midfield and half your back line is either at the centre circle or ahead of the centre circle and the ball just goes straight back over their heads. And even worse than that, that your midfield that has just expended a hell of a lot of energy to run forward at a frenetic pace to get the ball into, into our forward line is just quietly buggered because they've just sprinted for 70 metres and they've seen the ball sail straight back over their head and they don't have um, the energy to run back in the opposite direction from inside 50 sometimes or even at the centre-half forward line, they need to run back with Brisbane. Why is it if we've got that many midfielders and players in general ahead of the the, um, centre line, why can't we make a better play into the forward 50? We should have open people in there, but we don't. We don't take advantage of them, and the ball bounces out just as quick and heads back to Brisbane. And like you said, two, three, four kicks, easy, straight into their forward line, and Hurls and Rids and those guys have got to mop up again. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, all, all valid points, uh, and I take them on board. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> look, uh one thing I, I do get frustrated with our midfield, I'm not quite quite sure why this is in the game plan or if this is designed. I don't know if you've noticed this, but our run through either the middle or the wing um, is really um, uh, congested handballing. I'm, I'm trying to, I hope I make sense here. We don't seem to create space as a team. Like we, I, I know that there's a lot of these little, um, one meter to two meter, very quick under pressure, little handballs. We're trying to fluke through and uh, a chain Look, of handballs that aren't supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it's one of those plays you go. Look, if it turns out it's on a highlight reel, right? It's like, wow, how was that for ball movement? How did they get through that? Um, but it doesn't. Like it's it, it feels like one one out of five is success, but the yep, other four agree. are turnovers. But why aren't we moving the ball through space where you you see the West Coast and you see the Brisbane's and the Collingwood, how much they create space in their ball movement. But our midfielders all seem to be around each other and we're trying to do these little handballs through through the, the Brisbane midfielder and it's ended up being just one minor 
poor handball and it breaks down the whole lot. Uh, yeah, just They're just small things. And uh, for, we've also lost our, our way about going through the midfield. Look, if you go into afl.com.au, you can actually have a look at the heat map of how we're moving the ball. The two heat maps are on either wing, which tells you that we're also going the long way around the ground. Uh, and what's that? what that is doing is normally that means slow ball movement and Brisbane's um, midfield and, and defence gets to set up, have more time to set up. So it, it, we're not going as direct as I guess the old, I guess an Essendon side normally tries to go through. Or, or yep. uh, So th- there's a lot to digest in this game that has concerns. Um, overall, no doubt for me, the the mental approach and the application um, is is the key part. But wildly inconsistent. Uh, and and. There's, look, there's a lot to be concerned about. But, uh, look, overall, um, I, I thought our, our defence, the the first half or three quarters, did as well as they could from what was getting presented to them um, as far as uncontested footy. Uh, yep. Hipwood uh, didn't really didn't really spank no, us. No, no, look, was okay. that's funny. I, I did see some criticism of Hurls and I, I thought, you know, Hipwood didn't do anything. I mean, all he did was get a cheap goal from an illegal hand pass yep. um, that actually shouldn't have been a goal, should have just been brought back because you can't yep. you can't do that play. But that's all he did. Like he had no bearing on the game. Hurley shut him down fine, and which to my surprise I must admit, um, Hurley kept up with him fine. I didn't know if he would have the mobility to, to play Hipwood. I was a bit concerned. Yeah. I thought Zerk Thatcher was going to play on him, but he did really well. He shut him down. I, I have to bring up, if I'm being honest, and, and look, everyone's going to say he's not alone. We bring up plays every week. So before you even say it, you know me, I bring up plays every week. Is and this th- a is this a blowtorch? Well, it, it is a bit. It has to be, actually. Cause okay, it's a blowtorch. Look out. Look out, everybody. This is a blowtorch. Because Aaron Francis has, <sighs> has to have better body language than he did on that Friday night. Now, I obviously, people know me. I rate him as a player. I think he's got a lot of talent. His body language... Was well below par. Uh, he there was some plays where guys just ran through him, and he forgot how to tackle. Like just a simple tackle. It was just, it was just really concerning efforts. Uh, and you know, um, you know, I'm not going to put him too much, um, but he can play better than that. And, and and I'm really hoping he quietly can redeem himself from those efforts because. Um, I just found it quite concerning watching the game about, yeah, yeah, you, you know. I, I, I think you you're 100% <laughs> right with, yeah, you're 100% right with Aaron in that either he's wildly talented um, and that he should be, I mean, he hasn't been in the side, but now that he's back in the side, he should be red hot, super keen, ready to go and looking like Rids trying to influence every play and take marks and do all sorts of stuff. Now, I, I agree with you. Some of his, if we're putting a lunchtime catch-up podcast blowtorch on anyone, then it's Aaron Francis. And do watch the replay and check out some of his. And this is the disimport. This is the disappointing part to say that his efforts. It's not his talent. It wasn't his skill, mind you. He's got to stop kicking the ball directly to opposition players out of the back line. Like, I'm not sure whether or not he's going to be trying to be too too tricky with that boot of his, but. Mate, the amount of times he's kicked the ball straight to someone else. But um, his efforts have been disappointing, especially when the bloke's six foot plus 
and weighs a lot and should be throwing himself around like the whole club should be throwing themselves around. Big blow torch on Aaron Francis. He's been given a crack back in the side with Hooksy out. Yep. And I think next week he needs to, or this week, he needs to uh, actually show it a bit. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I think Langford's, uh, Langford's on a, a better track this year than, than Francis, but both of them have these six foot three kind of frames and big builds. And I never felt like they've developed how to use it uh, well. Um, I feel like they they can get pushed out of position quite easily and just, and just you know, miss tackles and just those sort of things. I, I just feel like, you know, you've got frames that can actually hurt people and, and – and be quite authoritative uh, against your opponent, but they're not. But they're, it kind of seems like the other way around. So just mini blowtorches, I'll call them. But uh, look, outside Ooh. of outside of that, you, you're right on on Waller. Look, I, I think Waller needs to improve. I, I, he played also probably 30, 40 minutes in the midfield and still didn't touch the ball. So he definitely, um, for me, I, I think he's played one good game from memory out of the seven so far this year. So he's he's still got a. Uh, impact, but I do notice though that Cahill and Townsend, uh, you do notice when all your forwards and your mid and small forwards are the bottom three possession getters, which tells yeah. you how the balls arrived, right? Because they're not all Absolutely. they're not all going to have that kind of output, and they usually they you know drop Townsend, do this. Cahill's not up to it, but I think yep. I think sometimes for me when you get that blanket. You know they're the bottom three or four. Uh, then it tells you a little bit about the midfield rather than than the small forwards about what little opportunities they've had. Uh, yeah. But saying that, Waller was the only one that came into the midfield to try. Uh, at, he started half time in the midfield to and um, and just you know still only got seven disposals for the game and just could not get his hand on the ball. He just he obviously was frustrated. First time I'd seen him have a few frustrated acts too. He clearly. Wasn't liking yeah, he that was he a was, bit. He was a bit fired yeah, up. Actually. Yeah, he wasn't liking that. It was not playing well. But um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, the shining light by far was the the debutant, uh, Sam Draper, Sammy, Sammy S A M, Sammy S A S, M, Draper. He was fantastic. Won the hit outs. He's. I mean, it's a credit to him that we won the clearances. Absolutely, it is. Um, so it's, you know, he took a spectacular mark on the outer wing. Uh, uh, gee, had some rough free kicks against him. And I, that made the whole game. Don't you You noticed bomber fans that, uh, we've not actually teed off on the umpires in this game. I, I, I I was going to say to Scott that we should talk about it. And then I just went, you know what? What do you say? It is. It's just bad. It, It was every single person. I don't think it was. It's a sneaky factor as to why Essendon played so badly. It was one of the contributing factors why we played so badly. It, it was, and yeah, there was no doubt in my mind. In the second quarter, we got our act together. Uh, and don't forget, for the whole second quarter, Brisbane didn't score a goal. We won that yeah. quarter, uh, and we were dealt some of the worst decisions in that quarter. Uh, and we—you could tell our body language was getting so frustrated. Uh, and, and you know, when do you see McGrath get a fifty? Uh, for a, yeah, no, that doesn't happen. For a diving on the ball tackle that, for some reason, he's standing up in. Uh, so, yeah, I, man, and that's why I, I sort of said we could we could tee yeah. off. Yeah, for you could, a yeah. good long period of time, but I I just don't think it's it's it, worth clearly, look, talking it, about. It, no doubt, I'm not going to ignore that the umpires actually did have a small say on the game. Not the first quarter. That's our fault. We didn't turn up. 
we rectified it at second in the second quarter. We I think we tripled or quadrupled our tackles the next quarter, right? So we yeah. we came out to play. We outscored them, uh, not by a lot. You know, our forward line was still not functioning, and we weren't kicking it well. But we were yeah. putting in the effort. We were, and that's how, in, in many ways, how we've won most of our games that we've won by under a goal was just sheer effort. And we were doing that. We were. We were, you know, we were at least up for the challenge, but you could tell the players were getting frustrated and and the energy getting a little bit sapped. And uh, so I, I don't ignore, you know what, a little bit of that part, but we need to come out more professional in the second half. I'm not going to excuse it or either, but nah. it's, it is a reality. Reality, the umpiring was just they will. Yeah, it was just all, a nightmare to watch. To be honest, all of those umpires will be umpiring the Dimbula fourths um, <laughs> next week because that 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 level of of umpiring is not acceptable at AFL level. They make a mistake, I understand, but the worst one in the history of the world was was McGrath. Yeah, yeah. That's seriously that is the worst decision I've ever seen in AFL. Not far, be, not far behind it was Hurley. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. front on contact and he hasn't contacted him. Uh, yeah, because oh, yeah, anyway, we, we could, like you said, we could get sucked into just absolutely <laughs> destroying umpires, but we won't do it. Um, but Sammy Draper, we'll just, just, just wrapping up, Sammy Draper. What an exciting, yeah, 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 yeah. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. What an exciting talent we have on our hands. We've obviously been talking about a little on the pod- podcast because we've got his name wrong fifty thousand times. Uh, yep. But, but. Um, We've obviously highlighted that this kid can seriously play, and I've seen him in the VFL and going, you know, there's a player coming through that you're going to be excited when you see him. And that's his first game after a knee reconstruction and no ability to do any VFL or no match day simulation training, just these crappy 10 on 10 kick to kicks yep. on the weekend. That's his first game after that, our 15 months of that. So once you actually get some proper development into him, which is a scary thought with our club, and that's my second segment, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, then, you know, you should see a really big player coming through who will be by far our most dominant Ruckman uh, yeah. uh, coming. And, you you know, he's, he's <laughs> for me, he's almost the first player picked next week. Because the other person I wanted to say, um, say well done to is Jimmy Stewart. Um, I want to say well done for being back on the side, mate. And again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it looks good. We, we, I think he's in our best twenty-two we when he's up and about. Out. Yeah, we didn't. Help but him we out. just, we didn't help the man out. We just destroyed his night basically because you, you can't have that kind of poor um, ball movement and expect Jimmy to kick five for you because it just doesn't work that way. So good, good to see him back though, mate. Good to see you play a game of footy again. And geez, I hope. Um, our boys can sort you out a little bit with a bit of lace out football at some stage uh, in the near future. Yeah. Um, because if we could do yeah. that, Sammy and James, Jimmy Stewart could have kicked 12 goals, seriously, because Draper was way too quick for whoever the hell he was on in the forward line. And and Anderson, uh, Anderson, um, Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> Jimmy Anderson, uh, Jimmy Stewart, um, he, he would have been way too quick for whoever he was playing on as well and would have done really well for us. So, Look, on, to ending on a positive, Sammy Draper and Jimmy Stewart, welcome back to the club. We'll see you this week again, um, and we hope we do it. We give you a, a lot more better ball. Okay, so uh, let's let's after the break talk a little bit about Essendon. I'm not going to go too long, but uh, let's talk uh, a little bit about the, the Essendon Football Club. Cool.
And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, Scotty, you want to talk about the club, where we're sort of at a little bit? Go for it. Yeah, so um, it's funny. Uh, you know, after this game, I'm like everyone else. There's just like these emotions just, you know, filled uh, the mind and in you just we're having this roller coaster of anger, of gut-wrenching sadness, and then of am I having a whole conversation? Am I being too critical? We are yeah. we are five and three. Is this ridiculous to you know to slam a football club because we're like we're ninth or eighth? So I think we're ninth. Uh, and look, and probably all three of them are true, but. I, I am concerned a little bit um, uh, with the Essendon Football Club. I, I look, I must admit, uh, and it, it's the first time I didn't want to feel like this, but it, it was the first time I felt like this transition year was a hold year. Um, and I must admit, you know, I don't know about anyone else, and I'm going to be very honest about this. I feel really frustrated um, with hearing John Worsfold doing his press conferences. Uh, and I'm being, you're not alone honest, there, mate, because we're not getting anything. Like, and people might say, what, you know, you know, keep it in house, but it's not in house. It's just, he's not even talking hardly about the game. Like there's not, you know, there was one interview where, uh, after the Sydney game, right. And there was in that game, there was like three clear, massive moments. One where we kicked it out in the fall and they kicked a goal and they got in front. Uh, and I know there was two other incidents, you know, just normal reporters bringing up, what did you think about the incident, this incident? Oh, don't even recall it. Not sure. And you're like, well, obviously that was a major moment in the game. Uh, and, and it's just like this, I'm getting frustrated about this transition year, if I'm being honest. So, uh, and I don't know, you know, the luxury, I guess, both Woosher and, and Trucker and, uh, have is we don't know who to be concerned about. Like, I guess we don't have to be concerned about Worsfold in some ways because he's leaving at the end of the year, right? But yeah. well, I don't know after that performance and seeing our matchups, you know, I see the coaches' votes today and I see Lockie getting the most votes and I see Cameron getting the next votes. And I'm going, well, I go into the game going, well, they're the two players I'm concerned about. I'm concerned the, the about. The major two, yeah. And, you know, you can hear in the game, right, you actually heard in the game the commentary saying, uh, Essendon, no one is near Lucky, um, which is Lucky. which is which is yeah, which is which is really surprising. Um, and then we see obviously who lines up on Cameron, and you're going, well, that's clearly I don't think that's going to work at all. Um, and they're they're the two game breakers, right? One's kicked four goals, and one's two goals and thirty three possessions, and just dominates yep. them. And, and we've made no attention or put no work into a, a kind of looking at that situation. And, and look, that's my concern about what is going on about the Essendon Football Club as far as strategy, as far as how we're going to develop a side that that has Plan Bs that competes in games when things aren't going well. Because I'm seeing a game plan that I, at the moment, completely don't understand. Like I'm not, I'm being honest. I even with Carousella, I'm not even putting down Carousella. Um, I'm not, well, I'm not attempting to, but I don't know what's going on. I don't, I'm not reading Essendon. I'm trying to find anything of a pattern. Uh, and, I, and you know, I watch all the other games. I watch the, the West Coast and I watch the Bulldogs. And I know, I kind of know the system I'm, I'm 
you know, if when Essendon play them, I feel like I know the system we're going to have to do. You go to the Bulldogs, you go, all right, uncontested footy, their system, you know, their chip kicks, keep possession, you know. I know the system. I know what's going to happen. I know the Tigers system really well. I know Collingwood system really well. Um, I don't know at all our system. But my frustration is, is every two years it feels like this club has a moment where they say, you know what? We're going through a few learnings at the moment because we're changing up our system uh, and we're developing something new and, you know, you just have to give us a little bit of patience. Uh, but I think at the moment fans are thinking that's not flying anymore. Like we're, Brisbane Football Club, the Brisbane Lions, three years ago were like, what, 16th or 17th on the ladder. Yep, they were no good. They were no good. They've rebuilt – They've identified a clear game plan. They've identified the coach they want, the system they want, the recruiting they want, and how they're going to recruit to that game plan. And we're seeing them – well, I mean, obviously they've overtaken us quite considerably, right? Yeah. Um, we're seeing St Kilda fourth on the ladder now uh, and seeing some of the younger players and, and uh, grow, perform really well. Um, and – it's frustrating as an Essendon fan because we're getting this learnings preaching to us. Uh, we're trying a new system and we all should be patient. We're kind of sick of patience. Like yeah, we're, we're, we're hanging around uh, between 11th and 8th consistently. We're in no man's land as a club. We're in complete anatta. Um, uh, what's the word? Just invisible to the AFL at the moment. We're, we're a team of hype. We're a team, I believe, and look, I'm going to get criticism for this, and I always do, because I say, Scott, you just rate your group too much. I honestly do think we have good players on our side. I'm not saying top four. I'm not being ridiculous, right? But I do believe if a right system is put in place, this team should be very competitive every week. And I get frustrated of seeing a Carlton performance where Carlton should have won that game by four goals. Forget the one point. We were yep. we were diabolical that game. That was a 10-goal loss. And Carlton were playing woeful back then. They had no Mackay. Uh, it was, you know, they've, they've got no um, the other half forward that's been out for most of the year. That, yeah, he's a hack. Don't worry about um, him yet. Go. Kukuno, yeah. Uh, that was really pathetic game. That, to me, was like a 10-goal loss. I was really angry after that game. We play the Bulldogs. Same thing. We're just... We just get walked over and we're witches' hats. Uh, we see the Brisbane Lions game and just just seeing absolute seeing a team demolish us. I'm watching all the other games. You know, at least there's uh, there's systems in the other teams. You know, with Richmond having injuries, there's there's systems in place that make them competitive, that make them hard to beat. I, you know, I watch the Hawthorne Football Club. I actually think the Hawthorne Football Club has the second worst list in the AFL at the moment, and they've won one game less than us uh, yeah. uh, because they have a system and an expectation on how to be competitive and how to play most weeks. But they have no players. All their good players, all their premiership players have gone, and they've got very little players, and the players that they brought in high trades probably haven't really came came out to what they wanted to be. But still Clarkson has them playing with attitude and our club, look, when I – and I'm not going to be when I grew up, you know, sorry, I am in my mid-40s, but 
This is me watching the Eston Football Club uh, with Kevin Sheedy, right? We had a coach that at quarter time went to a West Coast player and gave him, we're going to slit your throat. <laughs> we're going to cut your throat. Yeah. And would you know what that may do? He got all the criticism, but what that did was have a team that played on the edge and a team – and Sheets was a play person. He didn't care about. He didn't care about what that looked like. He knew what he was doing. He 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 stuck. He did the whole marshmallow. He's talked about North Melbourne. You know, he 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 trashed teams. He waved flags in front of coaches' faces. Yep. And and this is what we grew up. And we were used to an Essendon team walking tall, going out to play, and you had to physically try and beat us up, and then. You know, if you did, you can probably get over the top of us on, on yep. odd occasion. But we were a bit of a dirty team. The Sullies, the, the you and know. We were hard to beat, man. We were, we were hard bloody to hard to beat. And, and Shitty had, Shitty did not accept um, medi- mediocrity. He, he expected you to come into play. If you were a rookie, whether you're love it, you know, first game, you're, you know, I'm going to do a surprise. You're playing this week because. I'm going to drop one of our senior players who should know better. Love it. You're in this week for Anzac Day game. You know, whoever, high-profile player, you're out. Yeah, you know, forget it. Yeah, you know, if you're not going to, yep. you're not going to do it. We don't have that. We have senior players in this current team that have a license to play every game without question. Uh, you can play four or five bad games for this club if you're a high-profile pick. Or a high-profile player, um, you have the luxury of playing every week. And at the moment, I am completely and utterly sick of it. Drop some players, Essendon Football Club. If they're not performing for a month, drop them. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're Waller, they're Zaka. I don't care if they're the vice captain. If it's Smith. If it's anyone, if you shield, you want to play three bad games and not run with your opponent and not be a cannibal, you're out. Start having an edge Essendon Football Club because I'm seeing a soft team giggling as they're running out to play and getting walked over in the first quarter and the game's already over. And it's about time we stood up for something, stood up for a bit of actual culture, a bit of hardness and a bit of None of this, we're in the inclusive, we're in Mr. Friendly Club, we're inclusive, everyone be happy. Forget it. Let's be hated. Let's be hated, Essendon Football Club. Why not? Sheeds, you're in the club, tell them. Slit their throats, tell them, we're going to burn you. We're, gonna, we're, we're no longer going to be just some 8th to, to 12th middle road club. Our club history demands that we turn up to play football hard and uncompromising. Grant, it's over to you. Uh, <clears throat> okay, then. All right. I wonder how many people have been a, uh, a listener of the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast for a while. Um, and if you have, you've probably picked up that Scotty's quite the measured one of the group. Uh um, I reckon that's about as fired up as you're going to get, Scotty, on this uh, on this subject. Uh, mate, um, I can't disagree. I can't disagree with you on anything you just said. I, it is a battle, man. It is a, it is a, it's too hard to try and figure 
am I going too hard at the club a la the last five minutes of this podcast? Or am I not going am I going too hard at them because we're five and two with a game in our in our hands, uh, five and three and all, um, with a game in hand. Am I not going hard enough at them because we've got the list that should be performing better than Brisbane, that should be performing better than St Kilda and damn sure should be performing better than Carlton. And we keep seeing the same issues every week. So, again, I didn't know Scotty was going to do that just then. Uh, when I said it's going to be the majority of Scotty this uh, podcast because he had a lot <laughs> look, to say, he didn't tell me he was going to do that. <laughs> just quick, <laughs> look, just quickly, just to give you an example, right, here's your perfect example. North Melbourne, proud club, usually a tough on. They've had they've had a rough month, right? They've what did the coach do? Ben Brown, you're dropped. Pollock, yeah. Pollock, Pollock got twenty five possessions the week before. He did nothing defensively. You're out. We have a game plan. We have a standard. You're not going to just run one way. You're going to run the other way. You're dropped. North Melbourne, they beat the Crows by over forty points. There you go. No, I, mate, every, play, every is- player got the message. Absolutely. So my 100%, I, I get where you're coming from. So if, and I think you're right. I think we've got to get more mongrel into this side, but that mongrel's got to con- got to be um, put into consistency because you can't have a good game against Collingwood and then just come out and get beaten by teams like Brisbane and stuff and have that distinct worry that we are being left behind with a list that's going to leave Bell Chambers, Hurley, Hooker, Heppel and all these guys could be well and truly gone before we're any good. So, mate, the time is now. It really yep. is. And I think we said at the beginning of this stretch of four games that we're not playing good enough football at the moment to beat um, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and the other two mobs GWS. that we're playing. Yep. GWS and all those guys. We're not playing good enough footy um, to be able to, to say that at the moment. And the Brisbane game where we had all our guys back, we had some talls, we had some smalls, and – we didn't have the time to to get the ball out and have enough time to kick it into our forward line, but Brisbane did. So we're, we're in trouble at the, at the moment as a club, boys and girls. We really are. Five and uh, three is not reflective of the level of inconsistency that the club has. Um, we can... But you can make we, a statement. You can improve it from here on. That's my point. Well, it's not, we're it's not, not doom and gloom, but let's be bold. Let's make a. St- I agree. I think that that's a good way to sum this little segment up, Scotty. Is be bold, Essendon. We want you to be bold. We want Xavier to be bold. We want, and he has. I mean, the, the off-field guys—they've been bold. They've gone out and opened the checkbook with Stringer Shields, Sard, Draper, the whole nine yards. They've been bold there, but why can't we be bold on the field? Because I, yeah. we we play a game like that, then the boys just go surfing, yeah. and then th- that's that's that, and then the same people will be there next week. And if we lose, they'll go surfing again. And it's, I agree with you, Scotty. We need to, we need to be more bold. Um, normally it would be me ranting like that, but um, I, I, you've, you've witnessed a little bit of a little gem there from uh, your friend and mine in, in Mr. McNeese. So I hundred percent back you, mate. Absolutely. And look, just quickly, but just before I go into the commercial, I'm going to play rage against the machine. Cause I feel it's valid. Uh, I'm not picking on our under 23s or under 22s, right? Because uh, I understand we're a young team. I, I get all that. And we, they're going to make mistakes. I accept that. I think every Essendon fan hopefully knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking about culture. I'm talking about a long culture that's been soft, that's been allowed to be complacent, 
and and we have an over 25s group that not all, trust me, not all, but some are getting games they shouldn't be anymore. Uh, they should be... Or yes. if they don't perform, like they can get games because oh, yeah, they're that's the incumbent and they've done stuff. Perform. But if you don't perform, yeah, with your form. Then everyone's equal. Form, Everyone is equal. That's, that's it. That's the culture. All right. Let's that's go, it. Let's go to a break. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, hey, Scotty, let's talk about our new major sponsor. Talk to me, Grandis. Now then, our new major sponsor is a company called Speaking Finance. Speaking Finance are finance brokers. They specialize in personal and business loans. So if you're looking for, say, a new car, they can sort out the paperwork for a loan on that new or even a used car. I don't know, maybe you're a small tradie. Speaking Finance can work with you to obtain business loans for new equipment or plant to help you out on the job site. Maybe you're Daniel Grollo himself and you need equipment to help build the next Rialto building, I'm pretty sure he could sort that out for Daniel as well. Now, I don't want to cut you off, mate, but look, it's my understanding that I have inside sources that tell me Adrian Dodoro wants to speak to Speaking Finance because he needs to understand the salary cap with all these stars coming in to our side, hopefully very soon. But why would he want to speak to them? It's because they're Essendon boys, they're Essendon members, they're passionate Essendon boys. Tell us more, Exactly, mate, exactly. Whether or not it's the founder, Steve, or one of his finance or mortgage brokers, they're mad, passionate Don supporters. So if you want to talk to the team at Speaking Finance, you can get hold of them primarily on their Facebook page. They'd be more than happy to discuss business or personal finance or in fact, whether or not um, they think Joey D will be back this season from injury. So you can get hold of Steve and his team on their Facebook page or at speakingfinance.com.au. Speaking Finance, unlike Essendon, they have a game plan for your finances. It's, it's great to have Steve uh, from Speaking Finance uh, on, on, the, uh, on the show. They'll be, here, they'll be our sponsor for the rest of uh, 2020. So yep. we're really delighted. Um, uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a tribute too to our little show that, that, that was and now it's uh, a really, uh, quite a big show. And, um, you know, yeah. it, it's, you know the, the popularity of the show has kind of taken off the way more than, uh, than we have expected. And probably with my rant, I'm not sure which way I'll go after that. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we might have to have a chat to our major sponsor about that rant and just go, that's, that's a bit of a one-off from Scotty. Uh, normally we're, we're a bit more upbeat, but uh, hopefully you stick around with us as sponsors. So welcome to the guys at Speaking Finance. <laughs> and to everyone at Essendon Football Club. Uh, I respect- Absolutely. That you just, I, uh, I respect um, and love I- your life. <laughs> So yeah. please take it with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, we, we no, still love you guys. Seriously, yeah. we still love you. Uh, yeah, we obviously love you as supporters and we're passionate and, and you know, we want success. And I know you guys do, but, uh, yeah, it's just some of my thoughts. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, – and I, I kind of got a little bit <laughs> – I don't know if it was carried away, but I, I got fired up and it's just something I've just been burning inside of me. So, uh, Mate, I, I loved it. I'm sitting here on Zoom watching from the other end and – Mate, Scotty, again, if you've known Scotty at all, he's a reasonably calm individual and he takes things at a very measured approach. But I could see he was rising out of the chair, just inch by inch, getting a little bit more fired up. So that I wish that was on record. Um, I do love the fact that uh, we're going to have that on iTunes forevermore because that's a little Scotty rant, which I loved. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the few times you'll see me like that. But uh, Yeah, uh, absolutely. Friday night. Um, 
We played GWS, uh, DeBoer out with a hammy, Green out with a hammy. Uh, look, in some ways, I, I don't even care who's out for them. Uh, it's what we're going to bring to the table that, that matters to me, and that's that's it's, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. What are we going to bring to the table? Uh, Again, it's it's just about it's about attitude, and it's about um, whether or not we can we can match, I don't know yeah, we can survive yeah. enough. They're, they're, I mean, if GWS are a strong physical club, if we don't come to play, it's game over very, very quickly. So it's, yeah. it's um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I know a lot of people ask about Joe Danaher. Look, I, you know, all I know is that he was running last week and he was expected to do full training this week. Um, so he is back at training. So uh, we'll know. It a lot. seems like weeks, mate. It seems yeah. like like it's got to be another another month. Yeah, we're or talking. So. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, there's obviously going to be some scratch matches after a couple of weeks of training, and yeah. so you don't expect anything uh, anytime soon. Um, but he is he is happy at the club, and I'm happy about that. So yep. uh, it looks it looks like String and Happel are coming along quite well. But I was interested to see what the update is this week from the club. But uh, all reports they're kind of. A, I don't, I don't know if the word is ahead of schedule, but the best possible scenarios are kind of happening, it sounds like, for them both. I'd be they're... interested on Heps. Like, I appreciate Jake's his injury is reasonably new, and so he's probably in the middle towards the back end of his recovery on that. But Hep, geez, Heps has been out for a long time. Yeah. And I just gonna I wonder, be, yeah. I wonder how far. Yeah. Um, uh, I believe he's close to uh, good running. So, um, so yeah, he'll, he won't be far – well, like we're talking, no, I think we expected him maybe not even to come back at some stage this yeah. year. So where I think now, you know, I think you could say where will he be in four or five weeks? Could he be close? Uh, and that's a better sign than not. So uh, it's why it's like if we can fluke some wins, um, it would be nice if we can hold our S together. So um, That's it. But the, the, this week's game is just a, an even bigger example than Brisbane – um, and I think Brisbane were more beatable than GWS are. But this week is just another example, guys, of the pressure that the Essendon Footy Club's put on themselves again um, because we've got to win this game against GWS. There's got to be one or two games that we win in this next block of four or five. And why not GWS? Because like Scotty said, if we're ruthless, if we want to win these games and if we're going to um, gut run and throw up at three-quarter time, then let's beat GWS. Let's not just go... I hope we beat GWS. Let's bloody well beat G- GWS and then go into the week after and go, let's bloody well beat them as well. So massive week for the club. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really going to show us. You're going to see how they respond. Um, so, look, uh, uh, that's it for the show. Uh, look, um, look, I know this sounds funny, but I do want to kind of just um, from a podcast point of view, just wish all the health and safety and, and uh, whether it's mental safety or anything, just for everyone in, in I guess, our Melbourne situation at the moment. Uh, look out for each other. You know, we have our own Patreon community. Have a chat between us or on Facebook site. Uh, you know, if you're having a bad day or dark day or anything like that, you know, some people are going to lose their jobs and, and, and you know, reach out to people, reach out to friends. Um, Hell, reach out to me and Scotty. Get yeah, hold yeah. of us on Facebook. Like just exactly. get hold of us on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. Say, hey, Grant, um, mate, you got five minutes for me. I have five minutes for you. I got ten minutes for you. No problems at all. So, yeah, so um, we just want to, you know, it, it's obviously a – an unusual situation and quite, you know, serious in its, 
you know, for, for many people, many families. So, you know, it, it's time. Uh, we can all have our gripes and we can all have our complaints and, and a lot of them are, are worthy of complaints. Um, but in reality, you know, the situation is what it is and, and all we can do is support and help each other and, and get, get each other through it. So uh, reach out to one another, support each other. Um, and, you know, like Grant said, reach out to us. We're happy to talk um, and, and, you know, and, and, see, and you know, just sometimes you just I'll cheer your ear off one time. I'll tell you all about <laughs> speaking finance. It'll be great. We can talk about anything you want, really. Yeah, exactly. So besides that, Grant, how do you uh, catch us on the socials? Mate, the socials, you can get us on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast Facebook page. Um, you can get us at the Lunchtime Catch-Up um, at uh, on Instagram. Yep. You, we couldn't get the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast on Twitter. Um, on Twitter, so it's the Lunch Catch-Up. You can get us at the Lunch Catch-Up there. Um, you can get uh, Scotty on uh, at Scooter McNeese on Twitter um, and, of course, the uh, True to the Red Sash where, um, Facebook page as well. And look, if people who didn't realise, we did a whole lot of video shows on YouTube too. You can go to Lunchtime Catch-Up yes. Podcast YouTube channel and, you know, you can see uh, we did our top 20 plays series for all three uh, for three decades and we did it with Scott Lucas and Gary O'Donnell and Ron Connolly and, and you know, yep. if you if you through this six-week period, you just need some entertainment, they're awesome hour to hour and a half shows of just running through our top 20 players, the eighties and nineties and the noughties. Um, so, you know, if you just like to sit down, you can sit down in front of the fire with your glass of wine or with your of Chablis or, or something your, or like your that, v, a bit of VB and just hear yep. the nonsensical me and Grant trying to remember <laughs> the eighties and then having experts like Ron Conley and Gary O'Donnell. And but but, but better than story. that, trying to remember the eighties where we were growing up, and I was half, I was half cut ninety percent of the time, and Scott wasn't. But um, <laughs> growing up, but also just sitting opposite each, like on Zoom, opposite absolute legends and guys that you've had numbers on your uh, on your duffel coat for in in Scotty Lucas and Gary O'Donnell, and not to mention the wildly talented Rowan Connolly. So have a, it's it's funny. Have a look at it. Ninety five percent of the time, it's just Scotty and I with eyebrows raised, mouths wide open, that we're sitting and talking with Scott Lucas, which is absolutely hilarious. So check us out on YouTube as well. And look, just finally, uh, I would say uh, next week it's likely that that um, our good friend Neil or Knackers is going to join the show for Knackers, yep, for, for his segment. Uh, it was probably actually due this show, but we're going to it's going to be the next show. Uh, it's obviously look, it's a little bit difficult because he was meant to be the correspondent for training and and yes. and and and, uh, and you know quite a lot of different things, but he obviously hasn't had access to Queensland as yet. But we're still going to have him on for a segment probably next week. Um, and just to, we might discuss about what observations he's seeing, even as a club ourselves. Obviously, you probably heard mine, but if we, we hear a more calmed approach from yeah, uh, right. From, Neil will probably <laughs> give us one with a lot less ranting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's always got good, good, good feedback on you know even like semi drapers. He he knows a lot. He's seen nearly every VFL game, all his training preseason. So they're good questions to ask him about what he saw and and the rise of. Of of uh, of Sam, so yep, we'll, yes, we'll probably put him on the show next week. So thanks, everyone. Uh, have uh, an awesome uh, week. And, rest of the week. And look, we'll do our normal Patreon show uh, Thursday. Just so you know, the Patreon um, membership billing has started. So uh, to hear those shows, um, it is is a Patreon membership. You can go as low as two dollars a month. So can be basically ten dollars. Uh, for the rest of the year, if that makes sense. So yeah, absolutely. 
So yeah, our Patreon. Speaking- Go for it. Speaking of which, some of our new Patreons. Go for it. Um, mate, we've got David. Ooh, here we go. Uh, my apologies, David, in advance. David Mardorician. Mardorician. I think that's probably right. David Mardorician. Thanks very much for joining, mate. Tim DiBella. Tim DiBella. Um, he's a uh, Patreon for us as well. Thanks, mate. Adam, good, solid name. Adam. Just Adam. Like Madonna, but just Adam. Um, Damien Gaetano, great name also. Um, Peter Scott. Now, there's a really simple name, easy to remember. Peter, Peter Scott. I knew a Peter Scott. It was my dad's, one of my Did dad's you? friends, yes. He was an Scotty to his, Matt Scotty to his mates. Mate, yes. if, you, if you know Scott or his father from way back, get hold of Scotty <laughs> on the socials. Um, Cass Milan, Dave Berry, Doug Kircher, Trevor Biker, Tim Timmy Bright, and um, Shirley Pannier, um, we're going to be talking to you on the podcast in the not-too-distant future. Liam Harkin, Paul Amato, Prince. Oh, I think we've said these ones in before, but Prince, I'm going to keep going. Julian, David Smith, Gary DeBella, Jordan Toole. Mate, there's a, the list goes on and on and on. So Elvira, thank you very much yep. to everybody who joined up to our Patreon. It's flown through the roof. Uh, we will be looking forward to talking to you guys exclusively um, on Thursday and then our uh, reaction show after the game um, each week. Yes, so uh, hopefully enjoy. Uh, hopefully our reaction show is a little bit more <laughs> upbeat. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so week. much more fun when we've actually won uh, as opposed not, to getting yes. pumped by 60. But anyway. Yeah, so look, thanks, everyone. Uh, you'll hear us on Thursday. Our main show will probably be on next weekend uh, yep. after the Friday night game. But as for me, Grant, and Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, we are signing off. See you, guys. See you.